our Christmas season. So I'd invite you to stand on your feet, whether you're joining us here in person or online, we are gonna celebrate with joy our Savior who came for us. So let's lift him up this morning. Joy to the world, the Lord is King. Let earth receive a King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing.
loud praise. Man, in this Christmas season, I love just reading through the story of Jesus' birth, how he came to restore us. He came to bring light into the darkness. Man, such a, um, such a picture of hope and redemption in this season.
awesome day in the house. It is December. It doesn't quite feel like December, but that's okay. I think the snow's coming. Hey, raise your hand if you have your Christmas decorations up already. Oh, come on. We're doing ours this weekend. We're not done yet. Goal is at the end of tonight. But hey, no matter what, it is so good to see you all here at Real Life Church. Um, and before I get too far ahead of myself, I do want to recognize one other group of people. They're joining us completely online today. Can we wave back to the camera and make Real Life Church online feel welcome? Awesome. Go ahead and say hi to your neighbor. Give him a fist bump or a, a high five and find your seat. to Real Life Church. Uh, if I haven't had the pleasure to meet you yet, my name is Brandon, and I'd love to connect with you out in the hub immediately following the gathering. Um, but if you're new here, go ahead and check that first time here or second time here box if it's your second time. And what we do with these connection cards is we collect them later on in the gathering. We pray over these cards every week. Uh, we'll reach out to you this week completely digitally to give you some more information about who we are at Real Life Church. And if you've been coming for a while or you call Real Life Church home, check that regularly attend box and, and check out some of those next steps we have uh, as you go down the card. It's going to be a really exciting month of December. We have a lot going on as we lead up to uh, our Christmas Eve services here in just three weeks. I cannot believe we are that close to Christmas already. Well, hey, Real Life Church is a church on mission, and that mission is to see people far from God discover their real life and purpose in Jesus. And we have been in a series where we've been talking about this, this thing, this act, this, this practice, um, the joy that comes from giving and being generous. And we do this, we, we practice this gift and we do this discipline all the way until kingdom come. And so we are concluding our Kingdom Come series today. Pastor Sean's gonna come up here and deliver a message that really is gonna speak to the heart of generosity and why it's so important for us to, to all be giving this, uh, this season. So let's invite Pastor Sean up as he delivers a message today. Good morning, Real Life, how you doing? You good? Man, sounds like you guys are excited. Uh, I'm excited to be back from the, the grave. Come on, somebody. Uh, last week was not good for me, but um, man, uh, excited to be preaching today. Uh, excited to see what you guys are gonna do as we wrap up our series. And uh, man, excited you guys are in the house. Come on, give yourselves a hand one more time. Come on. It's gonna be a good morning. Well, today we're finishing up our series in this Kingdom Come Giving. And uh, honestly, I was hoping to be done last week, uh, but God had different plans. And, uh, and I'm just really excited to see what God's going to do. This message is entitled, uh, The Devil's Scarecrow. And uh, I was just thinking, man, if, if this is the field of generosity, man, Satan has a way of putting the scarecrow right there on the crossroads of the corner and saying, don't come in this field. And as a way of us being afraid to give, we have enough. Uh, we're worried about what's going to happen if we give, how we can take care of myself and all these things. And I feel like there's every scarecrow the devil has, it's this fear of generosity. And so today we're going to talk about what it looks like uh, to burn down that scarecrow. Come on, somebody. Uh, and see what's really on the field that the devil's trying to keep from getting into. And there's some really, really awesome blessings on the backside. So that's where we're going to go today. Uh, just kind of running start, kind of, if you can remember, I'm trying to remember. Come on, somebody. Uh, the series, uh, we started out way back when uh, with the Lord's Prayer, uh, the Disciples' Prayer, really the supremacy of God. 
Like, God, I trust you, you're in charge. Hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And just trusting Jesus all the way, that he's completely in charge. Uh, we went to utter dependence on God, uh, that you'd uh, forgive us our debts, you, you'd give us our daily bread, you'd lead us not to temptation, walk through uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, the week after that, man, Brian uh, turned, uh, just turned it up, brought the heat last week on stewardship, uh, 2 Corinthians 8. Come on, give it up for Brian, man. Last week, that was on fire, man. Come on, dude, that was really good. Um, the, the myth busters, five myths of generosity, uh, made you get a TV show going, Brian. It was pretty good. Um, and, uh, I, I called him, he was driving home from Wichita. I was like, Hey, yeah, you feeling up for it? Cause I know I'm not. And he goes, uh, well, I guess I can. And so he just put that together in just a few hours and God just blessed it. So, um, really, really encouraging, man, just shaping, shaping our souls. Uh, today, uh, we get to kind of finish where we, um, left off last time, uh, through the Sermon on the Mount. We give this challenge and there was, there was rewards from God. And uh, if you remember in the, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, hey, you can be rewarded three different ways. Rewarded if you give to the needy, uh, you do it in private, your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing, and, and you give. And God rewards you openly. Uh, you, you're rewarded from prayer. You guys remember that? You go into your prayer closet, and it's just you and Jesus. He's the only one that gets the glory. It's all by faith, and you pray, and then God rewards you. And then there's this last one. It was fasting. And you, you, we talked about this recipe, right, for Thanksgiving. <laughs> Giving, prayer, and fasting, just put that into your Thanksgiving recipe. And I don't know how many of you guys did that. Um, I went around my staff, and they are like, yeah, that didn't happen, right? And uh, I know a lot of you are probably like, yeah, I didn't probably do that either. Uh, I would encourage you guys uh, to make that recipe part of your daily journey. Amen? I mean, you talk about the mark of disciple is somebody who gives in private, prays in private, and somebody who fasts in private. Nobody knows what's going on. It's just you and Jesus because that's your heart towards God. Amen? You're fully dependent on Christ. And so out of this dependency, uh, Jesus does something very special. We, we, we talked to all these pieces, and the very next verses we're going to pick up, and really what Jesus is going to say is, if you're not going to be dependent on God, here's your biggest reason why. Here's the biggest obstacle to putting your dependence in Christ. He's going to talk about money. Come on, somebody, right? And so today, uh, if you've got your Bibles, who's got their Bibles? You guys got them? Come on, hold your Bible up. Let's see the Bibles. Uh, I would encourage you to get in the Word of God. We're going to be in Matthew 6, we're going to start in 19. Uh, so get your word open. There's no verses yet. We'll see if those ever come back. Maybe y'all guys love me right now. Um, they, they have to do whatever they're doing back there. <laughs> Praying, I'm sure. So come on, somebody. Right? Matter of fact, uh, Logan, a few weeks ago, he, he was so he was like reading the word of God as I was preaching. And he, he like totally forgot we we're doing cues and stuff and just kept reading. I was like, I'll take it. Come on, somebody. Right? That's amazing. So give for Logan. I, I don't bag on him, but I know Carrie, Carrie's doing it today. So if something goes awry, come on. Um, but verse 19, this is your biggest obstacle to being rewarded by God. And it's found in 19. It says, do not store up for yourselves what? Treasures on earth. That word for store up means do not accumulate. Do not just mass up all these treasures on earth. Another word for treasures is, is money. And so Jesus immediately says, hey, look, you depend on God. I mean, you got you to give, you got to pray, you got to fast. But here's probably the biggest obstacle you're going to face being dependent on God. The reality is we do not amass earthly wealth. Instead, we use our financial assets, all of our stuff, all of our treasure for the purpose which is heavenly and eternal. We have to be dependent on God. Uh, as a matter of fact, Jesus knew uh, that Benjamin, Jackson, Hamilton, Grant would all be in competition for your security. He knew that your heart would be tempted to build your own kingdom. I think about even the book of Matthew, that Matthew himself was a tax collector. Matthew himself maybe got fired up when he, he wrote this, remember the things of Jesus, because he was that guy, amen? 
He was the guy that said, you know what, you owe it. And he would have maybe had a lot of pride with money. He, he'd seen people, he'd stripped them of their dignity. People who didn't have any left to pay taxes, they got thrown in the prison. Uh, people that maybe he took advantage of. And so Matthew's probably pretty fired up when he, when he reads these verses and he writes this down for our account. And so it goes on, verse 19, we'll read it into 21. It says, do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store for yourselves treasures in where? In, in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Uh, I'm going to call this your P-I-R-A. This is your permanent individual retirement account. Come on, somebody. You have a 100% guaranteed return on investment. It's, it's risk-free. It, the payoff is eternal. He says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In the real estate world, it's all about location, 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 right? And, and this is all about, it's where you put your treasure is where the location of your heart will be. Now, you think about your devotion. If, you, if you're a Christian, you're like, man, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm really connected to God. I don't have a passion for the word of God. I'm not really seeking the things of God. If you feel like you have weak devotion, I would encourage you, it's probably because your treasure is in the wrong location. Amen? Because if your treasure is on earth, you don't have a need to have Jesus. You don't have the need to pursue God. But when your treasure is in heaven, oh, man, you better be, believe it. You're going to be in the word of God every day because you're living by faith. If your mind and heart and plans aren't found dreaming about heaven, it's because your portfolio is only found here on earth. Amen? And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm the point in my Christian life where, where I, I see the future. And I think, man, if, if, I, if I made this much more or if I had this, then I could give this away to this. Like, that's my heart. Like, that's what you start to see is you start trying to play this, uh, like, the Jesus math, you know. Like, how can I get this into a building by myself, but I shouldn't do, right? Come on, somebody, you know. I could just, like, sell my, my, both my kidneys. Come on, right? We could get in. Like, how can we do this? But you start leveraging. You start dreaming for the things of God with your life. Like, how can I be more generous? And so you start planning and giving strategically for the things of Christ. The reality is this, for most of us, we need to diversify our portfolio. Amen? A lot of it is just found here. It's just stuff. Uh, when you put it in heaven, it's recession-proof. Amen? It ain't going nowhere. Verse 22 says this. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. This is a very interesting passage. I didn't really understand this passage for, for most of my Christian walk. But it says, the eye is the lamp of the body. It means that the eye impacts your entire body. It represents your entire being. It says this, if the eyes are healthy, your whole body is full of light. In other words, another word for healthy in this passage, it's really better translated generous. If your eye is generous, then your whole body is full of light. He's talking about generosity. He's talking about money. But it says if your eyes are unhealthy, if your eyes are diseased, if your eyes are nearsighted to just this temporary world, it says your body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is the darkness? What he's saying is if your eye is dark, then how much darker is your being? I mean, if your eye is selfish, how much more selfish is our heart? If, if our eyes love new, shiny stuff all the time, how much more does our heart love all those things? Like the eye is just evidence of the heart. Think about money. Uh, the problem with money is not how much you make. Amen? Amen? It's not. Because people go, oh, I'm going to have all this money. It, it, it's not how much you seek. It's really not how much you spend. It's really not how much you save. It's, it's how you see it. It's how do you see money. And for so many people, they're nearsighted. Is your money a gift from God? 
is it a blessing from God that you're just a conduit, you're just a delivery boy for Jesus, and you return back to him your first fruits, and you say, God, thank you so much. Thank you for giving this seed to plants for this harvest of, that I didn't even reap. And God, thank you for what you've done. You give it back, and then God gives you more so, uh, seed to sow. Amen. And increases your harvest. Or is it like, hey, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Now I can go buy my fun toys and have my way and have a lot of debt. Come on, somebody. And just live my own direction. And for so many people, it's just so nearsighted. Like we're focused on the temporary instead of being farsighted for the things that are eternal. It's how do you see the money that God gives you? Think about this question. What does a healthy eye see that a diseased eye doesn't? What does a healthy eye see? But what, do you, what do you see as a healthy eye when, when you see money? You, you know what you see? You see souls. You, you see the kingdom of God advancing. You see, thank you, Jesus, for giving me this. That's the first thing you see is a blessing from God. And the second thing is, how can I bless somebody else with this? That's what healthy eye sees, amen? You see the hand of God, the work of God, the souls of people. You see the gospel advancing. And what your eye sees is, is evidence of what's in your heart. In other words, the level of generosity is evidence if your heart is full of light or full of darkness. That's what Jesus is saying. You can know what's in your heart by how the eye sees. Like literally generosity is in the eye of the beholder. Somebody should write a book on that. That's awesome. I worked all week on that. Come on, somebody. Right? Nobody's writing anything down. It's too good. Verse 24. It says, no one can serve two masters. What he's saying is make no mistake about there, there is numero uno. There is only one Master, you cannot serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one, that word for hate, you'll neglect, you'll disregard the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You'll look down the other, you'll refuse to follow the other. You'll follow the one because you're devoted, but you'll refuse to follow the other. And he goes on to say, you cannot serve both God and what? And money. And if you got KJV, you might say mammon, right? You can't serve God and stuff. And it's actually an Aramaic term. It actually means earthly possessions. You can't, you can't serve Jesus and serve the things of earth, material treasures, especially money. What he's saying is there's no room for the two of us. You cannot have two masters. You're either possessed by your money or you're possessed by God. Amen? You, you can't ride the fence. There's only two choices. And so the reality is you can make no mistake about it. You either serve and worship and live for the master of God, or there's only one other choice. If it's not God, you live for the master of money. That, 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 that's the only choices that Jesus even gives us. You're fully in love with Jesus or you're fully in love with your stuff. And here's the reality, when we give back to God, this is what you're saying. I am not a slave to this money. This money is not my master. This world is not my home. This stuff isn't mine. This was given to me, amen? This is a gift from God. I am subjected to God, he is supreme, I am dependent, I'm giving back to him because I owe him everything, amen? You're saying, I don't serve you. I'm not living my life for little green piece of paper with dead people on them, amen? My life is more than the accumulation of my stuff. It's all about Jesus. You're saying, God, you're my master. I'm not neglecting you. I'm not looking down on you. I'm fully devoted to you. And so every time you give, it's just like you going to God and saying, God, I serve you. God, I love you. I'm devoted to you. Only, always you, Jesus. The reality is when we get cheap on God, it's because, it's not because we can't afford it. And we like to think that. But it's not because we can't afford it. It's because we are obedient and a slave to the wrong master. And it's so easy to get there, isn't it? Because the whole world is telling us to go this direction. 
Now, you might say, well, I can do both. I, I, can, I can try to do both. And, and for most of us, in reality, is some years of my life, that's where it was spent. Like, I'm, I'm going to do both these things. So even a man who thinks he's serving God a little, like he's devoted to both things, is deceived. Think about this. The devil is going to monopolize this person before he can go one way or the other. A divided house always falls. Think about Saul in the Old Testament. He tried it. He became king, and they won an earthly king. And then the first thing he did was he takes things he wasn't supposed to take, and he builds a statue of himself. And he worshiped himself. Balaam tried it, Judas tried it, and they all desperately failed. The point is, and Jesus makes it clear, you cannot serve God and money. You can't do both. But here's the worry, and this is where it gets real. This is the question we ask ourselves. How can I afford to do this? How can I give if I don't have enough? How can I give with Christmas around the corner? How can I give when I'm between jobs or money's super tight or I'm up to debt to my ears? I got student loans, I'm a broke college student, I'm going through a divorce, I've got property taxes. Who knows Chris Mellendorf doesn't show his face between November and December? Come on, somebody, right? Like, who knows? He was in a hiding, you know what I'm saying? Amazon is the only person who knows he exists, right? I mean, you got property taxes, you got mortgage, you got student debt, you need a car. Come on, there's all these things we need. I mean, how can I afford to give in this season? There's the worry, the fear, the scarecrow, if I am generous, then I will not have enough. Verse 25 says this. Therefore, I tell you, do not what? Do not, yeah, do not worry about your life. Let's pray. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Simple as that, man. No stress at all, right? And he's saying don't be concerned for, don't be anxious about what you'll eat. Well, this is basic. Don't, what you drink, well, it's, that's, that's very basic. Or what your body, or about your body and what you'll wear. And he says, is life not more than food and the body not more than clothes? What he's saying is, if, why would you worry about all these small things to God if he's already done the big things? Amen? He's, he's already done these other things. He's already saved you from your sin. He's already created you. He's already provided all these things. But you're worried about all these little things that God has already taken care of. Verse 26, and he goes on to explain this. He says, look at it. He says, consider the birds of the air, which is really cool. They still exist. Come on, somebody. We can do this. We can look out the window. And look, he says, they do not sow they do, or reap or store away in their barns. This is almost like a, a, a satire hyperbole. I mean, this is just like, look at them. They don't, they don't plant seeds. They don't have a combine. Come on, somebody. They didn't build a barn to save all their food. And these aren't lazy birds. Come on, somebody. These aren't stupid birds. Th these are just birds that are provided from God. These aren't self-made birds. This is just God's creation, doing what God's creation does. They're just dependent on God, amen? And so he says, yeah, your heavenly father, what's he say? He, father, father what? He... He feeds them. This is, this is mind-blowing. That God takes care of all the animals, all the things, but us. What more he does for us? He provides, he gives, he takes care of them, and he makes this, asks this question, are you not much more valuable than they? Are you not more superior than a bird? Come on, somebody. Are, are you not more important than a bird? Are you not worth more than a bird? I mean, if God provides for his lesser birds, why wouldn't God give you even more? Amen. I mean, if, if God's going to take care of all the little things in life that they don't even work for, surely God will take care of you. It's the temptation is to say this, man, once I get ahead, man, once I get out of debt, come on, somebody. Once I pay off my student loans, once I can catch up on the bills, not even pay them off, right? Like once my credit cards are paid down, like once my property taxes are finished up, hey, once I get some more money in savings, like once I get my retirement kind of where it needs to be, like, you know, once I get ahead in life, come on, somebody. Am I speaking to everybody today? I mean, this is everybody every minute of the day. Like, once I finally get these things, then I'll, then I'll give to God. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm still waiting for that, like, Dave Ramsey moment where somebody calls me up as a pastor and said, I did it. 
I'm debt free, bro. I'm going to start giving to church. I'm waiting for that moment. It has never happened, man. I've been doing this for a long time. Nobody's ever called me up, so I'm ready to give now. I figured it all out. It, it just doesn't work that way, amen? It, it never works that way. Like, don't pretend that you'll be generous when you have excess if you don't do it when you have want. Like, you will not be more generous. You'll just be more what you are. And you fill in the blank, whatever that is right now, right? That's just what you are. Maybe it makes you more what you are. But the reality is we, we kind of use this as an excuse to like, well, I can't give because it's not the right season. And so it says in verse 27, it says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Man, what a great question. I mean, you might, you might say like one inch to your stature, right? Like a cubit to your height. Like, is, 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 can any of you by, by your own stress and worry, even if you should be worried about these things, can even change anything about the length of your life? And what he's saying financially is, why in the world would you not trust in the one who can? Why would you not give to the one who actually does decide the length of your life? Like, why wouldn't you give the one who can determine that you're going to die today or tomorrow? Like, why not trust him financially? That's the context of this passage. Verse 28 goes on. It says, and why do you worry about your clothes? He says, see how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. These aren't lazy flowers, man. They didn't even work hard. Look at these flowers. They're not even as much as a single exertion or straining of labor. Not even one second of wearisome effort was put by these flowers to be clothed and arrayed by things of God. Verse 29 says this, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Now, if you don't know King Solomon, he, he's the wealthiest, wisest person to ever live on earth. He, he, he had the most extravagant clothes. He had the most extravagant kingdom. The glory and pageantry of Solomon's kingdom was famous across the world. When Matthew wrote this, what Jesus quoted, they would have known, oh yeah, Solomon, yeah. The, the whole world knew of his splendor. I mean, think about this. If the wealthiest person in history doesn't even have the same splendor of a little flower. This is good news for us. The wealthiest person, the wisest person, doesn't have the splendor of a flower. Why do you think that any amount of income, luxury, opulence, will bring you any grandeur or magnificence or make you more impressive than a simple flower? That's humbling to think about, isn't it? You think you're somebody, but you are less than a flower. Come on, somebody. You can't even have the splendor of what God just already naturally does. And so make no mistake about it, it's only God that can wrap you in his grandeur, amen? It's only God that can give you beauty. Without any effort on your own, it's only God, Jesus, that clothes us. You can have more splendor than a king. Come on, Chris Tomlin, right? Let's talk about Jesus, not more splendor than Jesus. But you can have more splendor than an earthly king because you're arrayed by God, amen? What you don't need, you don't need more of you and your stuff and your name and light. You need more of Jesus, you want his blessing. It doesn't really matter what that looks like. If Jesus is determined the fact that you're going to make $30,000 a year the rest of your life, then you better get used to that you're going to worship Jesus with $30,000 a year, $30 year, amen? And if Jesus gives you $30 million, then you worship Jesus with $30 million. But it doesn't make you special. It's just like, I'm just going to follow where God's path is and to be led by God and fed by God. It's just so important. Matthew 6.30 says this, it's not how God closed, or if, if that is how God closed the grass of the field, which are here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. This grass is cut down and used in like fireplaces to make bread. I mean, it's just burned as fuel. I mean, if he clothes this grass, it's just like something to be used as a tool. Will he not much more clothe you? And then he calls it out. Oh, ye of, yeah, little faith. It wasn't great faith, man. Just, just little faith, man. I mean, if God's going to clothe the grass with grandeur, how much more is he going to clothe you? 
it uses this term little faith, and this term little faith is used all over the New Testament because that's, that's us, man, you know, that's the disciples. And every time disciples start doing something in their own effort, in their own work, in their own ability, Jesus would just call them out and say, oh, you little faith, because you're depending on yourself for the solution instead of Christ and trusting your own provision instead of God's power and his reign. And so ultimately giving is a reflection of your faith. Amen? Your giving is a reflection of the, the trust you have in Jesus. It's evidence of your faith. Think about this. Not giving requires zero faith. Come on, somebody. Like if you don't give to God, it takes zero faith. And, and, and it represents that. If you give to God out of your excess, like when you have the, that surplus come in, when, that, when the tax return comes, come on, somebody. I'll give to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, if, if that, that's your idea of faith. You have very little faith. Amen? It's it just, it just what it is. After your needs are met and you take care of yourself, then you can give to God. It requires very little, if zero, faith. And I will say this, and I see this as a pastor, and it breaks my heart a lot. Uh, and this is really a false teaching. When you have somebody that's a college student that's broke, or somebody's going through a divorce, or somebody's down to the last $20, or, or somebody that's homeless, or somebody lives in a slum in Africa and has nothing in their name, and you tell them, hey, save your money now, don't give, and uh, when you start getting ahead in life, then give to God, that is a false teaching. That is a false teaching. And I see it, it's like good-hearted Christians trying to help people get ahead. And the reality, the reality is this, Jesus stood at the offering box, and he watched the widow give everything she had in that box. You guys remember that story? He sat there and he watched and he said, hey, boys, come here, look at this, look at this, look at this. She gave everything. You see that? And he didn't stop her. What? If it was us, we'd be like, no, 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 please don't, right? But he, he was worshipped fully by her. Do you think God clothed her? Do you think God provided for her? Do you think he pulled open the biggest window in heaven and dumped it out on her lap? Do you think she scooped up her last thing of grain and there was another scoop below it? Come on, somebody. You think God provided for her? I mean, God was like, give me some worship, and he took every bit of it, amen? And, and, and she's in the Bible forever and ever. And how about you? But if I get, it's like, if you want to be in the Bible today, give everything you have, I'd be like, thank you, Jesus, right? Give me just one verse. You know what I'm saying? Sean, who's Sean? Don't even know what Sean. Any Sean in history, just there, you know? I mean, that, that's what she got. I mean, your name is forever ingrained in the Bible for her faith. And we tell people, oh, hey, don't give to God because you're, you're, you're going through divorce, you're a single mom, and you're, you're really making it hard, make ends meet and all this stuff. You know what we're really doing? We're robbing people of their faith. We're robbing people of their faith. What we're ultimately telling them is that God is not big enough to help you through this. We, we're saying do it on your own, provide for yourself, clothe yourself, take care of yourself, feed yourself, and God is not able until you are able to help yourself. This sound familiar? And I've seen as a pastor, it breaks my heart. Uh, what you should say is, hey, keep putting God first. And God could do more in your life than I could ever help you with. I've seen that happen. With, we've helped out homeless people and, and some of you in this room understand this conversation. You're like, bro, I'm not gonna give you a cent right now. You're gonna trust God. Amen? Now that sounds kind of hard sometimes, but the reality is, is that God will take care of us. Amen? It's just, it's just what it is. And so you will say, that's pretty extreme, Sean. You're, I mean, you're kind of, Riding a hobby horse. Now, I would say it just kind of depends on who you depend on, right? Because you're going to depend on Jesus. It just starts today, like right now, clothed by God, grown by God, fed by God, and God is our master. We dare not tell people to, to serve the master of money because God will take care of it. It's his economy. He does what he wants, when he wants, how he wants. And so the reality is that when she start giving to God, I, I would say first and now, first and now. Every, every time God blesses you, 
every moment of your life, you're like, okay, God, what would you have me to give? And you just follow his leading, amen? It's just first now, it's, 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 it's giving was, it wasn't even written, it was just on the hearts. I mean, you have uh, the second generation of humanity gives back to God their first fruits. I mean, because God has given me, I'm giving back to God. It's saying, God, you are, you are able. I have the faith that you are able to take care of me. If you're down to your last $20, you give first and now, amen? If you got $20 million, you give first and now. You, you just give as God has given to you, amen? And, and, and when you give willingly, then you're blessed. Actually, willingness makes your gift acceptable to God. If you give begrudgingly or because you want to be special, then your gift means nothing to God. It, it, it is the willingness to say, God, I trust you. And out of that, God accepts your gift. Verse 31, it says, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? It's like Jesus is like hammering this point over and over and over again because he knows that our heart is wrapped up in the thorns and thistles of life and choked out by money. And so he says, don't worry about these things. Eat, drink, wear, for the pagans run after these things. He's saying the world runs after how to eat, drink, and clothe themselves. That's what the world does. That's what non-Christians do. That's what people don't know God do. That's what unbelievers do. That's what the world chases after. He says, don't worry about eat what you eat, drink, or wear. He says, your heavenly father knows that you need them. Your daddy knows what you need, amen? Your heavenly father knows exactly you have to have some drink today. You have, to, you have to have a house. You have, you have to have a place to rest your head. You have to have food in your belly. Instead of running after your whole life trying to make this thing work and all this mess, he's saying run to God. He will provide for you. That God will provide for you. That God will provide for you. Come on, somebody. That God will provide for you. This is kind of one of those like pre-glory kind of moments. Like we used to declare a day and all our jacked up Christmas stories and our, our bank accounts are looking beautiful, right? We can just say God will provide, amen. That God will provide. That God will provide. I'm not worried. I'm just going to go to my dad and say, Dad, you know what I need. I'm going to trust you, and you're going to get provision. And so we, we just already worship Jesus for what he's going to do. Amen? Like in advance, like, I'm trusting you. I have no idea. Like I, I just look at our future of our church or our family and all things of faith. Now, I don't know, I don't know how. I, I don't know when, but I know he will. Amen? I, I can't figure it out, but I'm just going to follow you, Jesus, and I'm just going to trust you every step of the way. Even though it look like you can, you will because he's God. Amen? And so we can just worship Jesus already. We, why don't you just give him a hand for what he's going to do, amen? Come on, just give it up already. A little pre-praise, just pre-glory. Just prime the pump. Just say, okay, God, I'm, I'm just trusting you. And that's really what it is because if you can do all in your building, you have no need for God. And so we trust God that he's going to feed us every single day. Think about the disciples. Jesus, Jesus answered this question pretty clearly. There was a miracle that occurred. It happened a few times, feeding the 4,000, feeding the 5,000. And the disciples, this is really what they asked. Jesus said, we've got to feed these people. They're hungry. They're not going to listen to anything we've got to say because we've got to feed them, right? And they said to Jesus, and if you remember what he said, they said, man, you know how many years of wage it would take? We don't have enough money, Jesus, to feed them. This was the exact reason the disciples had zero faith because there's just not enough money to feed this large crowd of probably 15,000 people because there's 4,000 men, right? And you got wives and kids and everybody else there. And he said, we, we don't have enough money, Jesus. And so Jesus, he says, hey, come here. And there's this little boy that brings up his sack lunch. Remember that? And he had a few loaves and fish. And Jesus said, thank you so much. This boy has more faith than the rest of you men. And he took the loaves and he started breaking them. As he broke them, they would just multiply. Just break one off, and there it was. He just kept breaking it. And he filled up these baskets. They go out, and they pass it out. They walk through the crowds. He says, just keep passing out so everybody's fed. And they got done. And by the way, it, there, there's 12 baskets when he's done, if you remember the story. 
disciples go out and they, they pass out all the bread and he says, collect what's left over. And each disciple, every, 12, every one of them, there's 12 of them, brings back a basket. You know why there's 12 baskets? Because there's 12 people who need faith. Amen? There's 12 people that said, we don't have enough money, Jesus, to feed this crowd. And so what Jesus is telling them is like, well, this miracle is really for you boys. And so once you go out there and you go pass out the bread and bring back what's left. And so they get to the front and they're like, man, there's 12 baskets and we're standing here. And it's like, what are we going to do next? And I'm sure Jesus preached. And I'm sure Jesus didn't say, leave the baskets. Let's go to the next city. This is me speculating. Jesus is probably like, hey, why don't you pick up your basket and we're going to go walk to the next city. It's about 30 miles away. And so pick your basket up. We're going to keep going. And I wonder how far down the road before the disciples are like, come on, Jesus. Like this ba- the blessing is so big and so heavy to carry, Jesus. This blessing is so big. Why would you bless so much? You know, the church started complaining about the blessing. And I started thinking about us, like how often we're blessed by God. Like we have a nice home or vehicle or food in our belly. And we're still going, man, God, this blessing is just so much work, you know. And I don't know if I was a disciple, I'd probably been thought like this. Like, hey, Jesus, I got one loaf. And when we get there, can you just multiply it there, right? I mean, do we have to carry the bread to the next place? But the reality is this, is he's trying to ingrain in their head that God is able, Amen that God can and he will, he can change the boundaries of time and space and matter, he owns it all. And so to doubt and say, well, how can we do this? Well, what a dumb question. We don't say how you can do it. We just trust God you're gonna do it. That's faith, amen? And that's what he says, you little faith. He's saying, why would you doubt what God can do? Just be faithful by putting your hand and give back and just see what I can do. And God will bless you. And we've seen this in my life over and over again. The stories are unreal. I'm in a situation I can't even, I can't even tell you. It's just crazy. And God just, I keep saying, like, sometimes God wants some, God will give you something in life and make the devil pay for it. You know, like a, a non-believer or the world will, will bless the things of God. It's incredible because God is willing, amen? He just puts it all together, and it, it's amazing. So in the God's economy, so the world's economy runs after illusion of safety, security, found in stuff. And God's economy runs to the plans, provision, and the power of the one who already knows <clears throat> what you need and can do any miracle, any day, at any moment of the week, amen? That's the difference between the world and us. We just run to God, and that's why we pray and give and we fast because we're trusting God every step of the way. The question is this, do you eat your own sack lunch, let everybody fend for themselves, or do you give your sack lunch to Jesus in faith? By the way, it's your only sack lunch. Come on, somebody. That, that mom did not pack two sack lunches for that boy. I guarantee it. And that boy gave that sack lunch to Jesus, gave everything, and not only did he provide for himself, he provided for everyone else. And that's a blessing of generosity. That's the reason that this, the devil doesn't want you to give. Because what happens is God begins to multiply and use that gift in so many ways. The Bible says people will thank God for you. People will praise. They have praise to God for you because of what you did. And it actually says they'll pray and they think of you on their heart. This is all 1 Corinthians chapter 9. This is all the difference your generosity makes. Verse 33. This is how Jesus wraps this up. He says, but seek what? Seek yeah, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Well, hold on a second. So you're saying if I seek after God and have his righteousness, that all these things that Jesus talked about, which we've preached this verse our entire lives and heard it, but all these things like food, clothing, shelter, being provided by God, depending on God, all the things of God will take care of us and feed us will be added to my life? Are you serious? This is Jesus' invitation. He's talking, remember the Sermon on the Mount, right? Every great sermon has an invitation. Come on, somebody. He's up there saying, God, I'm superior. Be dependent on me. Here's how you be rewarded by God. Here's how you follow God. 
Here's what it looks like. Don't let money be an issue. If you put me first, I'm gonna add all these things to your life. Amen? And, and what's interesting too, we say seeking after God. This isn't the kind of like perpetual seeking. This is positional seeking. If you're a Jesus follower, you have these things in your life, amen? They have been added to you. God is clothing you. God is feeding you. God's providing for you. God's, God's taking care of you. God knows what you need, amen? He says they've added to you. That means there's direct deposit added to your life. He delivered it to your life. Do you know that you have direct deposit from Jesus himself? Amen? I mean, it's unexpected, unplanned. There's miracles that happen every day of the week. And that God just does God things all the time, amen? Just does God things. It should be expected that when you give your very last thing, that's when God's gonna do his biggest work. It should be expected that by faith, it's not about what you give, it's about the faith in which you give it. If this disciple said, this is not about a thing to feed his 5,000, Jesus might've been like food for everybody and it's been done. But instead he had broke the bread to make a point. And the reality is this, that we can live in God's grace and his mercy by following after him. Look, Jesus doubled down again. He said, the greatest reason we still hold on that we're self-made is fear. Verse 33, it's the last verse. This is where the keys start. But Logan, we're gonna get going. <laughs> I love you guys. Feels better already, man. Verse 33. Therefore, do not what? Do not, do not worry about tomorrow. Wow. This would be like, a, this is a verse we need to get tattooed on our body. Come on. Do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What Jesus is saying, in the context of everything he said, is that you could be generous today because God holds all your tomorrows. That you can give it all away today. You can give as the Lord leads, that God puts on your heart. You can be generous to whatever amount you believe God's given to you because God holds everything in your tomorrows, amen? And so often that we're like, oh, I can't make it work out. The math didn't work. My Excel sheet just looks like it's broken. I mean, I got to spend another three years to figure this out. And I got to do this. We play all these, these games. Before Noah, you've spent your entire life worrying about something that you could never have the ability to change to begin with. And Jesus says, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about all the money. I'm in charge. There's a reason he talks about this right now. Because he knows it's the number one enemy to your generosity. He, he knows it's actually the number one enemy to, to your faith is your own ability. Think about this. Many of God's grace blessings are lying behind the devil's scarecrows. There's a lot of devil's scarecrows. And this might be the number one. We're just gonna call it today. That's a scarecrow. Amen. You can walk up to generosity and say, well, I, I, I have enough to give. I, I don't know how I'm gonna make it, but I know God's gonna make it. He's gonna provide for me. Like I, I can give. The devil tells you that God can't provide, that God won't provide, that you're on your own to trust in yourself. Hey, don't go in this field. It's too dangerous. You'll never make it. You'll, you'll, you'll never get to their side. It's just too much of a struggle. Just wait outside here until these things happen and then come into the field of generosity. And can I just tell you today, we gotta get past the devil's scarecrow, amen? Because there's, there's something behind there you, you gotta find. And if you think about this, what, what does the devil wanna stop you from finding in that field? Like what, what's behind generosity? Like what's in, the, what's in the girt? Like what is God doing in that field? Think about it. There's joy in that field. Dude, there's freedom in that field, bro. 
You can live your whole life in fear and never have an ounce of faith and go to church and do religion. Or you can walk in that field and say, you know what? I'm freedom in Christ. I'm, I'm going to live by the moment. And God's going to take care of me. And God's going to bless me. You know the hand of God's in that field? You know the end of yourself is in that field? You know, that's what disciples have made in that field, amen? And that, that, those are things of God are born in your life in that dirt. That's where God blesses in that field. That, that's where people give thanks to God because you gave in that field. God's work is in that field, amen? Souls are in that field. There's nothing in front of that scarecrow that's from God, nothing. And you walk around there and say, well, well why am I worried about what I'm given? I'd be worried if I'm not given. I mean, God, God has blessed me and Diane in so many ways, even just recently. And we were like kind of hung up, like, man, we wanna give this gift. Like we've been given, given. And, I, and the reason I believe God blessed our life is because we give, amen? Like we, we've committed that we will not let our church fail. Amen? We, we, we have committed whatever the hell it takes. Come on, somebody. That is not gonna fail. Not that we're about failing, but we know it ain't gonna fail. And God says, that's my boy. And then we go, oh man, we got a hold on that. Dude, why, why, why not just add a few zeros in the comma? Why not? What are we so afraid of? God is able, amen. And the devil scarecrow has got to come down today. There's security in that field, real security. There's faith in that field, blessing that field, hand of God in that field. There's some pearls in that field. The treasure of God is in that field. This is why Jesus gives the invitation. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things added to you. If you want these blessings, just walk in the field and these blessings are added to you. Here's the reality, the devil knows if your heart can't trust God to give him his money back, then you'll stay away from the greatest blessings and never serve your true master. That's what the devil knows. And that's why he's tempting you so much to hold on to everything you have. So behind that field, there's things added to your life, provided for your life. There's the faith that you become into yourself. All of a sudden you can live every moment in your life just saying, okay, Jesus, it doesn't mean you're poor. When I, when I decided to answer God's call to go to ministry, my biggest hangup was I'll be poor my whole life. Like literally, anybody been there? I followed God, but I would only be broke. I thought I'd have to wear a cloth, you know, a robe. Look like an idiot, right? Like I literally thought I, just, I, would just, I wouldn't be able to survive. There's a man in my life that had enough faith to tell me, you know, Sean, you can do it your way and have only what you have, or you do it God's way and you have what he wants to give you. And God will not let you fail, and I'll not let you fail. I believe God's in this, what's God want? And because of that man who built a legacy in my life, I said yes to Jesus. And I get to share this with you today. I get to challenge you guys to say yes to Jesus, amen? To get behind the scarecrow and say, come on, devil, that's all you got? The devil should be nervous when the church meets. The, the, the devil should be like, dude, I hate Sundays because God just does something big. And today is just a day to say, you know what? If I've not given to the kingdom come, if I've not given at all to, to, to anything, I mean, if you've not given your best, your first, if you're not given out of sacrifice, so why not? Why not today? And if not today, why not tomorrow? But every time God asks, here's what I think. I think God blesses those who return. I think God just says, you know what? That's a kingdom person. That's a guy that's living to feel generosity. And if I bless that guy with everything I give him, he's gonna give it back to the things of God. And we need people like that, amen? That's how the kingdom of God moves. And so today I wanna encourage you guys to live it all out for Jesus, amen? To step out on faith. 
to, to give in, in, in an irrational way, to do something that makes no sense to your pocketbook, that makes sense to us, and somehow God just does the incredible every single time. I mean, I, 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 mean, I hope we get to share the stories someday of what God's doing in our life right now. It's just unreal. And I hope for our church, I hope for the kind of people that say, you know, I sowed some seeds and God multiplied it and now we're in a building. And now there's a kids program that's just off the charts, crazy. And kids are just coming to Jesus all the time and loving God. There's families, there's people being sent out for the cause of Christ. The salvation are raised up. Do we get two people every week that come to Christ? Thank you, Jesus, amen. And we need, we need two people a week that start giving to Christ fully to themselves. We need two people a week that are sent out, amen. I mean, that's a metric that no church ever measures. We could be like, dude, that's just living on. If we can't even trust God with our money, dude, how are we gonna trust him with everything? Evidence of our heart, man, is our generosity. And today we're gonna live it out, amen? Or are we gonna be the church that just says, come on, scarecrow, do better next time. We're gonna just burn it down. Come on, let's just get the hacksaw, get an old hatchet and then put it on the ground, right? We can invite somebody else and say, look at that old scarecrow on the ground. I tore that thing down in 2023. Come on, somebody. I'm not gonna look back and planting so much seed in this, in this field. I'm excited for what God's gonna do today. I love you guys. Hope you heard from my heart. And uh, we're gonna pray and just ask God's blessing today. God, we come for you. God, just bless today. God, thank you so much for revealing that uh, the things of the devil and just showing us your kingdom, God. Thank you for the invitation. God, to put you first, your kingdom first, your kingdom first, and you add all those things to our lives. God, you already take care of us. You already know what we need. And so God, we're gonna lay it to your feet today. I wanna pray for those that are here as Jesus followers. Say, you know what? Today, I'm tearing down the devil's scarecrow. Today, I'm gonna to follow God with my finances. Uh, today, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sacrifice. I'm gonna give, maybe never given. I'm gonna step up and be super strategic. I'm gonna look at my bank account, my retirement account, everything God's given me and say, okay, Jesus, uh, what would you have me to do? And I, I, don't want, I don't want Satan to get any glory in this. I'm gonna live by you. I'm gonna have faith by you. I'm gonna owe you much faith. And so God, I wanna be a blessing. If that's you today, and God's just stirring your heart, we just raise your hand high and say, that's me today. Come on, all across this room. God sees your hand, knows your heart. Father, God, just bless. We already know you're gonna bless. You are gonna make a way. You don't need the money. You want us. And so, God, we sacrifice ourselves at the altar today. God, we lay ourselves down. God, fully, only to you, Jesus, that we are seeking you first. And once you know today, we're given because you are our king. We don't need our ability. We want you today, Jesus. I'll pray for those of you that say, you know, I need Jesus today. Uh, I'm that guy that... Um, He's put first the kingdom of God for the very first time in my life. I didn't put Jesus on the throne. I want all these things to add to my life. I've been doing my own ability. I've been doing my own strength. I've been trying to clothe myself and trying to figure it out. I've pursued this. I've been able to degrees for this. I've worked for this. I've been planning for this. I've been all my own way. But today, I'm asserting myself to Jesus. The Bible says you've been forgiven and made new, and all these things will be added to you. So that's you today. You need Jesus. Let me looking around. You just put your hand high and say, man, today I need Jesus. Come on, this place. I see your hand. Anybody else say, Jesus, see your hand. See your hand. Anybody else I need Jesus. Come on. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things we have in you. Positionally in Christ. Today you can have Jesus. The Bible says that he calls the name of Jesus to be saved, forgiven, and made new. So today, if that's you, you need Jesus, just pray his prayer and say, Father God, thank you for giving Jesus so I can give myself back to you. Thank you for doing what I could never do by paying my sin debt in full. Something I could never do on my own, God. Thank you for loving me when I was unlovable, when I was yet helpless. And now I'm giving to you fully myself. And God, I'm trusting the direct deposit of Jesus to forgive my sins. 
to add all these things to my life. That I'll be held in your hand. I'll be fed by your hand. I'll be led by your hand. I'll walk by your hand. I'll be known as a Christian, like a little Christ follower, just walking by faith every day of my life. God, you'd have my life. I'm going to serve you, the true master. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give some glory to Jesus today. Come on, let him know you love him. Come on, give it up. Man, what an awesome day. John talked about giving, starts off giving our lives. And if that's you today, whether you're online, you're with us in person, and you gave your life to God today, can you let you guys know that we're all in for you as a church? And we want to just bless you in any way that we can. And the first way we'd love to bless you is give you a resource called, a book called Begin. And if you'll grab that connection card in your chair, if you'll fill that out and just mark, I gave my life to Jesus, we'd love to send you that book. It's an awesome way to get started off uh, and, and get on the right path that what God's got for you. If you're with us in person, we've got something else for you. You can grab on your way out. There's a red bag. Inside that bag, there's a Bible. There's the links to some other great resources. So we love you. Can't wait to see what God's going to do in your life. And we're excited for you. All right, a couple housekeeping things. I need for you guys to mark a few dates. Coming up on Christmas Eve, we're going to have three awesome gatherings for Christmas. Are you guys ready? It is going to be so cool. If you haven't had a chance to participate at a real life Christmas, you are, are in for a treat. It's heartfelt, it's moving, it's gonna be awesome. There's gonna be pics with Santa. We're gonna have a winter wonderland for the kids, goodie bags. You do not wanna miss out. And so just mark that down. Uh, I think it's one, three, and five. So three identical gatherings. So we can't wait to hang out with you guys there. Also, if you would love to serve, we will have an opportunity for you to serve uh, at one of those gatherings on your connection card. You can also mark that uh, to sign up and we would love to serve with you. We'd love to worship with you guys on Christmas Eve. So for the kids, mark New Year's Eve. We're gonna have a blowout at Aaron's Family Fun Center. So pizza. Uh, it's going to be an uh, awesome time of bowling. Your kids are going to have a great time. Drew, Drew's going to bring the Lord. He's going to share Jesus with them. And I know in my life, whenever I was in high school, some of the most impactful times in my life and for, for my friends were at something at a hangout like this. So check that out. Get signed up. If you want for more information, you can also uh, hit that on the connection card. I love the visual of the scarecrow, Pastor Sean. It's, it's one of those things. If you've ever seen like a really freaky one, it's like, ah, I don't want anything to do with that if you've ever been on a farm. But we're going to tear those things down today, aren't we? And in moving into this kingdom come offering, one of the other things that just popped in my mind is you can't live in Kansas City and not know this is Chief's what? It's Chief's kingdom, right? So when Andy Reid's drawing the play up, he sends it in to Mahomes, Kelsey, the offensive line. They go out and they do what? They run the play. But what do they get? They get a first down. They get a touchdown. They win the game. They win the Super Bowl in something way bigger than the Chiefs kingdom, aren't we? And I think that's really the heart of what, what Sean's leading us into, because this isn't Sean calling a play. This is us following Jesus' plan. And that's really what the heart of what he was saying is this. So we have the play, guys. You're the offensive line. You're the quarterback. You're the running back. Let's run it. What has God called you to do? What has God put in your life, on your heart? Run the play. And so as we close this gap of 195,000 and, and the things that are gonna go to, it is just gonna blow us away. We're gonna look back and like, man, we expected God to do something. We didn't expect him to do that much. And so I know that the heart of leadership and, and your guys' heart is, I wanna be a part of that. I wanna be able to raise my hand and say, look at that Bible that that teenager is carrying. I got to play a part of that. Look at the, look at, look at the people that were saved. Look at the missionaries that were sent out the interns that were that were brought on. It's all part of this. And so 
as we do that, God's given us an opportunity to just to, to give back and be part of this Kingdom Come offering. And we have a lot of different ways we can do that. Uh, there'll be a slide coming out you can check out, and, and there are things on there that we know about cash, uh, but there are things maybe you don't know about stocks, uh, non-cash assets. We get to leverage everything that we have, every resource that God's blessed us with to give back to in, in this opportunity. So I can't wait for, for you guys to run that play, just to jump in, just to, to lean into what God's got for you and just be faithful to it. And, and, and when, when, when you look back, whether it's in, in a month, in a year, in 10 years, and you see that signpost in your life of when you were faithful to, to what God called for you, and you're like, yes. And I will continue to do that. These are the signposts in our lives that we get to look back at and say, that's when my, when my life changed. And it wasn't about the money, it wasn't about the resources, it was about my heart. So I can't wait for you guys just to jump into that. Hey, if you're new with us, uh, we don't want anything from you. We want something for you. And thank you so much for being here. This gathering is our gift to you. We'd love for you to ch check the communication card, drop that in the box. We want to get connected with you. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, there are many ways that you can give here at Real Life if you call Real Life Home. Uh, as always, you can use cash. Uh, I'm sorry, you can go online at reallifechurchkc.com, text an email to 84321, or use a cash or check. Drop it in the giving box or in the buckets as they, as they pass. So guys, I hope you guys hear the heart of what the leadership is doing here, and I can't wait to see what God does. Would you guys pray with me? Father, we come before you. God, I thank you for the vision for what you are and what you've done for us, because you've given us everything. And God, just to give back a little bit of what you've blessed us, it's just an awesome opportunity. And just thank you for that ability to do it. God, I pray that you take the resources that your people offer back, expound that, and just bless it in just a way, only way that you can. God, thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for your people. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, Barry. And thank you all for being here this morning. Uh, just a quick heads up. Um, if you ever want to know what's going on at Real Life on a weekly basis, there's a couple ways you can check it out. We do have the weekly email that comes out on Thursdays every week. If you're not getting that email, get your contact information on that connection card before it passes. And we'll make sure you're getting those. Um, you can also check out the app or our website. Uh, we would encourage you all to take the conversation with you today. Uh, follow the, the U version, talk it over questions, discuss those with your families and your kids. Uh, such a great topic uh, on generosity. Um, well, hey, we'll be back here next Sunday at 9.30 and 11 o'clock. If you need prayer for any reason, we will have a team member here at the stage immediately following the gathering. And as always, whoever finds Jesus discovers real life and purpose. Have a great week.